Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. It is Tuesday of the 12th week of Ordinary Time. It is also the feast of St. Cyril of Alexandria, a great defender of Our Lady as Mother of God. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give what is holy to dogs, or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. Do to others what you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. <clears throat> so three different points to get today from our Lord, and all three very much go together. The narrow gate, there are few on the way to heaven. I want to discuss that a little bit, but also... The idea of not sharing our pearls with swine. That's a harsh statement, but it's a good analogy. Sadly so, it's a good analogy. And of course, doing unto others what you would have them do to you. The law and the prophets, and this is the thing that gets us through that narrow gate. By simply living this commandment, meaning the majority of people are not doing this. And put Christianity aside, it doesn't even make sense in a secular realm. Yet, we've all been there, <laughs> one side or another of it. So let's talk a little bit about some of these concepts here. The narrow gate. We have trouble accepting this. We have trouble accepting it, and therefore most people do not believe it, that the road to heaven is narrow. There is a narrow road. Very few get through the gate. There are some, and, and I'm all over the place in terms of my personal beliefs, there are some who believe that, well, heaven is just loaded with people because when people make bad decisions, when people sin, it's really, it's Jesus' words from the cross being enacted there, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's true, there is a lot of ignorance. There are those that have said that most people go to purgatory. And therefore, in the end, heaven will be a lot more full than hell. There are those who follow, well, and it's our church has approved this, Fatima and certain other apparitions where people have seen hell. They've seen people in hell. Now, they didn't say hell was jam-packed with the majority of people, but still there is this reality of hell. There is a reality that people have gone there for all eternity. I have heard very holy people say, it's not the majority of people that go to purgatory, but it's the majority of believers that go to purgatory. In other words, if you're trying really hard and you have a genuine good heart and you really are following the commandments, I mean, we're never going to do it perfectly, but, you know, God will take care of us. And I, and I certainly believe that. I mean, especially with all these promises made to us, we've been given the scapular, the rosary, the seven sorrows of Our Lady the sacred heart devotion, the divine mercy devotion, so many things that carry with them a promise of salvation. So 
we know we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect in this life. And yet God's given us so many helps to make sure that we don't go to hell. The technical definition of going to hell is one unrepentant mortal sin being on your soul. If that is the case with any of us, we could end up in hell if we die with that one unrepentant mortal sin. I mean, look at how many people nowadays go to church every other week or once a month or once a year. That's tons of mortal sins. Yet, is culpability lacking more and more for those people that weren't raised in the faith? See, like I said earlier, we have trouble with this idea of the narrow gate because we live in a post-Christian society where everybody thinks that they're still Christian even though they're not following it. So people imagine these floodgates because they look at the church at Christmas time, which, by the way, the past couple of years, it's even been empty then. But even there, I mean, is going to church a sign of salvation? Well, I mean, it's a minimum <laughs> for our salvation that we worship the Lord, especially on the Sabbath. Uh, it's the minimum. It's the, it's the, uh, the gateway drug, <laughs> as we say, except we mean it in a good way. It's the start but then also following all the other commandments. And, you know, even if the churches were packed on Sunday, they're not packed on holy days. And that's a mortal sin to miss a mass on holy days. And it's a mortal sin to gossip. And how many people that are there every day come out and start gossiping? So it's tough to say. I The way I often read this reading, and I might be wrong, I mean, this is just a personal opinion, is that the narrow, when Jesus refers to the narrow gate, the narrow way, he's referring to where people are now. I could be completely wrong. Is it possible most people go to hell? It's very possible. And I want to explore that a little bit. But at the very least, I think we can all agree the way of the world is a very wide gate that's leading away from heaven. And this is where most people are now. This is where most people are in this world living their lives. They're on the road to perdition for all eternity. And there's very few that are following the narrow path going through the narrow gate. So we pray for all those people. And the prayers of faithful people, remember, our Lord would not have destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah if there were 10 good men. So are there 10 good people? Are, is there a small amount? Is there maybe 10% good people in the world praying for the rest of them, praying for salvation, praying for a deathbed conversion, or what have you, praying that a person will be forgiven due to their ignorance, as Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross. They know not what they do. It's tough, and it does come down to grace in your soul. Do we have the friendship of Almighty God? Do we have the Holy Spirit living within us? If we have committed mortal sins, have we repented? Are we going to confession? Are we at least saying truthfully within our hearts, I'm going to go to confession in the next few days. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I repent of this. I am truly sorry. At least we're beginning the process of reconciliation. So if you die in a day or two, heaven forbid, you're still beginning that process. Or are we saying, ah, at least I'm not as bad as those other people. The fact that you know that makes you more culpable than the other people. <laughs> and that's a scary thing. It's, it's not scary. It's just something for us to stay on top of. Because the reality is, like I was saying earlier, the Lord gives us so many helps to our salvation. Salvation is not difficult when we recall that it's all about Jesus. It's all about putting it all on him, letting him be our savior. He's got us. 
He knows what we need, and he is taking care of it. But we have to keep going in his direction. We have to keep moving towards that narrow gate. Wouldn't it be nice if the gate got wider? And see, that's the thing. This is where I think as a church we struggle. If you connect this concept of the narrow gate to not casting our pearls among swine. I mean, I could think of so many examples of this. Like, for example, doing, uh, well, here's, I mean, the church recommends that you don't do mass for a wedding unless both parties are practicing Catholics. I mean, there's a, there's a practical reason for that. You know, because half the church uh, is people that don't go to church. There's there's danger of them receiving communion out of ignorance. So, yeah, the church recommends. The church forbids wedding masses for a Catholic marrying a non-baptized person. But it recommends you don't do a wedding mass for a Catholic marrying a Protestant. And it's really just in deference to the other people. You want to go to Mass? Go to Mass Sunday. See, a lot of people going that are Catholic are like, ah, I'm not going Sunday, so can't you give me the bread? So frustrating. So, and then even when you have two Catholics marrying, if they refuse to uh, go to confession, if they refuse to actually live their faith as they're getting ready, if they refuse to stop sleeping together as they're getting ready for marriage, if they refuse to start going to mass as they're getting ready, then really, I mean, the priest, you know, it's it's a tough one because you hear all kinds of different, you know, some people say, well, give people the benefit of the doubt. Other people say, well, no, the priest is the custodian of the sacred things, the sacred objects, especially the Eucharist more than anything. And the priest does have the right to say, well, I'm not giving out communion today. He does have that right. And therefore, you know, for this wedding, we're not going to have mass. We'll have a nice ceremony. This is an example. We hate to call people dogs and swine, but this is what Jesus is referring to, not giving holy things to people who are not in the narrow way. Not just, you know, and this happens all the time. We, we just, we cast our holy things among people and things and places that are far from holy. And it's not about judgment of the person. It's about judgment of the acts, judgment of the circumstances. Another thing I can think of, and there, like I say, there's millions of examples of this. I want to get into another quick little topic with this, but here's another one. Having mass in school, the majority of those kids don't go to church. The majority of those kids are not, and, and all right, with little kids, okay, culpability is lacking, but when you have a high school and the majority of those kids, not only are they not going to church, but they're, uh, they're living sinful lives and yet we're just going to have mass like it's normal. Oh, this is what we do. We're Catholic. Let's have mass. Let's give out communion. You don't even know who's coming up to communion in those situations because so much of that school, never mind not Catholic. I mean, the Catholics aren't practicing. And then you have all kinds of people who aren't Catholic and they're talking all through the mass. And a lot of times the teachers don't even understand that you need to keep the kids quiet and reverent because of the sacredness of what's happening up on that altar. Um, so my suggestion would be we need to evangelize those kids. You don't evangelize with the mass. The mass is the source and the summit. It's true. Mass can be an evangelization tool, 
but not when you have 80, 90% of the people in the room, not in the state of grace, not practicing, and you're just going to throw mass at them. Okay, everybody, sit still, fold your hands. We're having mass now. And everybody go up to communion. It's, it's wrong. So, you know, maybe there's a way to evangelize those students without forcing everybody to receive communion without forcing everybody to have mass. It's different. You know, I've done a lot of high school retreats where maybe I have 20 or 30 kids in front of me and then we can prepare them for mass. We can have priests come in to hear their confessions. We can teach them how to pray the mass properly. That could be a good portion of the retreat, just teaching them the value of this great sacred gift they've been giving and preparing their souls. And being that they are young people, you know, they're more open to it than adults are. And there's a greater chance of innocence there, you know, when it comes to this bigger picture. The other thing I was going to say about not throwing to dogs what is holy is just it's about boundaries. You are holy. I am holy in some ways. And so do we just allow ourselves to be walked all over? It's true. We make ourselves the servant of others. But Jesus had healthy boundaries. Jesus didn't just, you know... Uh, throw himself out there to be trampled upon. Jesus got away from the crowds very often. And Jesus only cured people with faith. He said, your faith has healed you. He didn't just, he didn't cast his pearls among swine. He was very, very careful. And he, it was about the relationship. It was about receiving their faith and then offering them the fruit of that connection through faith. And that was maybe a healing, an exorcism, etc. Things that he gave them. So we all need to work on boundaries. Loving ourselves before we love our neighbor. Treating others as we would have them treat us. Do we know how we want people to treat us? Especially regarding the sacredness of our person. This applies to modesty. It applies to so many things. And uh, anyway going to wrap it up here, but as we, um, we celebrate today, Cyril of Alexandria, we remember Our Lady being the Theotokos. He defended this in the third and fourth century that at the, uh, what was it? No, it was the fifth century, wasn't it? Wow. I'm forgetting my stuff here. It was the council in 431 where Mary was officially declared to be the mother of God. And this has to do with Jesus's divinity. It was against, I believe, the Nestorian heresy. I just forget which council it was. Was it the Council of Ephesus? Anyway, it wasn't the Council of Nicaea. I think it was Council of Ephesus. Yeah. Where Mary being declared mother of God means Mary is the mother of the person of Jesus, who is both God and man. She did not produce his divinity. But really, does a mother even produce humanity? No, she's the physical source of it, but God is the one working this miracle through every mother. But in the case of Mary, there's a special miracle going on, and that is Jesus, God Almighty, being born of her, from her, taking his humanity from her, and now God Almighty has given himself a mother. And so it's an amazing mystery about her. It's also an amazing mystery about our Lord, that he is both God and man. He has fully become one of us, and talk about the great humility. Jesus does not cast his pearls before swine, yet he becomes a servant to us all. He shows us the ultimate humility, and he asks us to open up our hearts to strive for the narrow way. So let us all this day strive for that narrow gate. Let us open up our hearts to our Savior. God bless you. Have a great day.